0: Well, the title of the message today is a Christian's response to authority, a Christian's response to authority. And uh, we're asking the question, how do we respond to God's authority? And how do we respond to man's authority? And where do we draw the line? And Man, it, this is a timely uh, message for us uh, today because, man, we've, we've been sheltering in place for over 45 days. Man, it's been a long time. And the governor is now saying that uh, we got three more weeks of this at least, and nobody's happy about that. And uh, I understand why, certainly. I'm going to speak to that in a minute. But right now, listen, we need biblical wisdom. We need biblical wisdom, and uh, and so we come to the Bible as we do in all things of life to figure out how do we live out our faith, how do we respond to the circumstances that we encounter day in and day out, and and what does being a Christian actually look like? When we actually have to put feet on our faith. We're gonna answer that question uh, tonight from God's word. Second Timothy chapter 2, picking it up in verse 3, we read this endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul here speaking to the Apostle Tim, or to the his disciple Timothy, and he says, uh, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, uh, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Skip down to verse 8, Paul continues, he says, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach, and because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and I have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those... God has chosen. Now, context is king. Every time you study the Bible, man, you want to make sure that you're reading it in context. And this is no different. Context here is so critically important. What Paul is doing here is he's instructing Pastor Timothy on how he needs to go about making disciples. And how he needs to raise them up and the things that he needs to instruct them in and so on. And he's using, the Apostle Paul is using his own situation as a teaching example. Paul has been arrested at this point. He has been chained, and his offense is that he was preaching the gospel. Uh, And the point that Paul is making here for Timothy and for his disciples is this, so important. The point he makes is this, regardless of the adversities that you face in life, you can't let them derail you from your primary duty. Paul says, look, I'm not, uh, you know, right now I'm chained, I'm in prison, it's not fair, that's the idea, but I can't focus on that. I have to focus on my duty, and his duty is to preach the gospel. Listen, understand, you and me, as Christians, we have dual citizenship. We are citizens of the United States, and I realize we have international viewers. So some of you, you aren't citizens of the United States, but you're a citizen of some country. We are citizen. You know, my wife has triple citizenship. She's a U.S. citizen. She's a she's a, uh, a British citizen, and she's an Irish citizen. She's got three passports. Uh, but first and foremost. She is a citizen on an earthly perspective. She's a citizen of the United States. But first and foremost, as a Christian, she is a citizen of heaven. And you and I, listen, we need to understand that uh, we we have an earthly citizenship, a country that we're responsible to, and we also have a heavenly citizenship if we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so you are a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God always comes first, absolutely comes first. Just like my wife, she she has triple citizenship, her citizenship in the U.S., that comes first on an earthly perspective. And because of that, because we have this dual citizenship, Paul here, he's not exhorting his followers to march against his unfair treatment. He's not organizing a revolt or an uprising. Now, he did appeal to Caesar and use the means that were available to him at his disposal as a Roman citizen to argue his case in court. And that's absolutely instructive for us today and for the things that we're going through. And I'll come back to that. But listen, understand that wasn't his focus. His focus and his priority was to preach The gospel and because i preach this good news paul said i am suffering and have been chained like a criminal but he says the word of god cannot be chained so i am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in christ jesus to those who god has chosen now I, I hope you caught that because it is absolutely critical key to, to what we're looking at here. Paul says, Look, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation. Now let me illustrate this point with a with a story. In 2004, there was an NBA game taking place. It was between the Pistons and the Pacers, and it has come notoriously to be known as the Malice at the Palace. I don't know if you caught that game. My family and I were actually at a... at a. Uh, uh, game place, uh, something Busters or whatever, it was some, you know, you play all the video games and all that stuff, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was on every TV in this place, and everybody stopped, and they're watching what's going on in the game. If you're not familiar with it, I'll tell you what happened. Basically, there were 45 seconds left in the game. And Ben Wallace of the Pistons was fouled by Ron Artest of the Pacers. And it was a pretty hard foul. And, man, the Pistons were already losing the game. And so the people in the stands lost their minds. And emotions ran hot. Uh, you know, Ben Wallace pushed Ron Artest and, and all. And, uh, and so before you know it, Not only did all the benches clear and all the players started fighting, but it spilled out into the stands and it was an all-out brawl in the stands. Chris Chelios, who's an NHL hockey player, was at the game and he said that it was the worst fight that he's ever seen. Now, you know it's bad when a hockey player says it's the worst fight he's ever seen. And so when it was all over, this melee, this malice in the palace... Um, The game was canceled, nine players were suspended, ten people actually were tried and convicted of assault and battery, five of those NBA players. Uh, It cost the team and it cost the players millions of dollars, and ultimately many would say that it cost the Pacers the championship. And metaphorically, what Paul is telling Timothy here is, look, I'm not going to let what Rome is doing to me to cost us the championship. That's the idea. He says, I'm going to stay focused on preaching the gospel because no matter how they chain me, no matter what they do to me, they can't change. They can't chain the gospel. Paul said a similar thing to the Philippians when he was under house arrest uh, by Rome uh, and and all, and and he's writing to the Philippians, and he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That phrase, turned out, literally in the original language, it means to come or to go, and it has the idea, it's used metaphorically, this term, uh, to describe the providence of God. J. Vernon McGee said the providence of God, providence is when the hand of God is in the glove of human events. And the idea is that regardless of the purposes of Rome in Paul's house arrest, God had his own providential purpose for allowing the whole thing. And his purpose was to further the gospel. Paul told the the Philippians there, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out, providentially, for the furtherance of the gospel. That word furtherance, it literally means progress that is continuing to advance. And so the idea is that the gospel is advancing and that the gospel will continue to advance. Now I want you to think about it. We have probably a third of our New Testament because Paul was persecuted, because he was forced to communicate by letter. You'll recall, last week, we looked at Second Thessalonians chapter three. And in verse one, we read that Paul was exhorting, "Pray that the word of the Lord may run swiftly." and be glorified and I illustrated that with a story about my dog Bentley I took him down to the beach took him off the leash and man he took off and I couldn't catch him he was running he was off to the races kind of thing and the idea is that that that's what God wants for his for his word he wants his word off the leash man and right now that is happening in an incredible way um, people are open to the gospel like they've never been open before. Uh, I shared with you last week some statistics. Tyndale Publisher says sales of the Bible are up 60%. Sales of their online Bible studies are up almost 50%. Um, their online devotional platform, it, it, the attendance on it is increased by 75%. Um, internet searches for the word prayer are just completely off the charts. Uh, and worldwide, churches are live streaming their services. And we have seen the attendance in church services online just going crazy. Man, it is, it is, it's nuts. Our Harvest Christian Fellowship on Palm Sunday had, had almost 1.5 million viewers on, on their church services. They, they saw over 11,000 professions of faith on that one Sunday. Uh, they, They report that millennials are tuning into their services on an increase of 235%. Man, listen, the gospel is not chained. It is off the leash in a huge way right now. It's more than we've ever seen in our lifetime. It's so incredible. Now, I say all that to say this. So far, and I want to emphasize so far. So far, this lockdown that we are experiencing, as far as the gospel is concerned, it's inconvenient, but it has not interfered with the unleashing of the word of God or with the duty of the church to to proclaim the gospel. We, We may not personally like the methods, Uh, through which God is currently working, and we may groan at the inconvenience of it all, and we can groan and complain, perhaps, even at the necessity or the legality of it all, and I'll come back to that, because that's important to address. But listen, you can't argue with how God is using all of this. Make no mistake, God is using this to reap a harvest of biblical proportions. It's, it's, it's amazing what God is doing. Now, having said that, there are many who feel that the lockdown that we're going through is unconstitutional, um, that it's causing more harm than good to our economy, to people who, who own businesses, to workers of restaurants and so on, uh, workers of all types. And, and they would argue that we as Americans need to rise up and fight. And, 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 and I, let me just say this, for the record... I agree. For the record, I, I agree for the most part. I don't agree with the methods of, of, of all, but, but I agree with the sentiment, and, I, and, and I, I have my own thoughts on this. And when I conclude the message, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just, I'll just open the curtains and tell you exactly how I feel on, on this subject. <clears throat> But the question, when, when, the, when it comes up and says, hey, listen, this is unconstitutional. We need to rise up and fight. Listen, the question is, how? How do we as Christians respond to something that we think is unconstitutional? How do we respond to something that we don't agree with? And here again, listen, I take my orders from the Bible. And Romans 13 says this says let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which god has established the authorities that exist have been established by god consequently whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what god has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves for rulers hold no terror to those who do right but for those who do wrong do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority then do what is right and you will be conne- do what is right uh, and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good but if you do wrong be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason they are God's servants agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities Not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, the big idea in all these verses here is the authority of government comes from God. That's the big idea. All authority comes from God. It's granted by God. And we are to submit to the authority that God has established. But what if a government directs us to do something unbiblical? Do we need to submit to that? And of course the answer is no. We have a biblical principle in Acts chapter 4. Uh, The backstory here is that Peter and John, they've healed a guy. Um, They have been taken custody, and brought before the Sanhedrin, this ruling body. And the Sanhedrin is demanding to know, hey, uh, by what power and in whose authority are you doing the things that you're doing? And so Peter basically responds, uh, we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're doing it by his power and by his authority. And <clears throat> the text makes sure to tell us, this is important, the text makes sure to tell us that Peter spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what Peter said, what Peter and John said, and what Peter and John did, it was led by the Holy Spirit. So we know that it wasn't an act of the flesh, because the Bible, it it paints its, its heroes' warts and all. So sometimes we read about things people doing horrible things in the Bible. Don't mistake that to, to mean that God is sanctioning it. Uh, sometimes God is, is just in his word, showing us what a person did that was unrighteous. David, uh, when, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, the Bible tells us about it, But the Bible also makes it clear God was not pleased in what was going down. Now, this isn't the case here. The Holy Spirit was inspiring the things that Peter was speaking. So he's being led of the Spirit. Now, I say that because listen to to the response and to how the story unfolds. Uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, says, Now, when they, speaking of the ruling body, the Sanhedrin, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had co- uh, commanded them, Uh, to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. Hey, you guys go outside. We're going to talk amongst ourselves. And they said, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident uh, to, to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on, they speak to no man in his name. In other words, look, you guys can't preach the gospel. Shut your yappers. That's, that's what they're saying. And so they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now that's unbiblical, right? And so Peter, it's in verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Basically what Peter says is, yeah, we're not doing that. You're asking us to do something that is contrary to what God has asked us to do. Guess who we're going to listen to? We ain't listening to you, we're listening to God. So the point here is that we are to obey authorities except when they demand us to do something that is unbiblical. It's a violation of our faith now you may ask well gosh isn't speaking of what we're going through here in california isn't the shelter in place on un- uh, order where the church is concerned isn't it unbiblical because it's it's basically prohibiting church assembly and my answer to that is not yet not yet for several reasons one listen because it's temporary it's temporary because of a response to a medical illness. Secondly, um, it's not unbiblical because we can still gather together. Uh, We're doing it, you know, in live stream. We're doing it on the internet, but we can still gather together. We can still preach the word. We can still assemble our Bible studies meeting on Zoom Uh, meetings. You saw a picture this week of one of our Bible studies and many of them, you know, going on. Um, and so we, we can still gather together, and another reason that it's it's you know, not a, it, it's an order that, that we can currently obey is, is because God's using it in such a massive way. I mean, you can't deny how God is using it. Certainly, yes, it's inconvenient. Yeah, we wouldn't prefer it, and yeah, it might be a little bit of a government overreach, and, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but listen... It's not unbiblical for us to currently submit to that, especially under the circumstances. But listen, if that changes, then yeah, we disobey and you know maybe we get a prison ministry that we, we have to do, right? Uh, but as far as proclaiming the gospel is concerned, we are not there yet. We're not there yet. We can comply as a church, we can comply with the order that's been given because the gospel As far as everything that I've just said, as far as we're concerned right now, uh, and and with the idea that this is temporary, we can can make an adjustment temporarily. Now, some argue, and I'm going to spend some time on this, some say that in America, listen, I understand the, the dictates here about, you know, having, you know, Romans 13, having to, you know, submit to the king and all that stuff. But listen, in America, we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democratic republic. Um, and the author, the authority of our government is we the people, right? Uh, that government is here by our consent, uh, by our vote, and there we vote them into office to to take care of our will, what we you know collectively uh, decide. Now listen, that's absolutely correct, and let me tell you what that means. What that means is that. We operate, and I'm talking about our citizenship in the United States, we operate under the rule of law, and we have a legal process to challenge laws uh, in court, and right now there are many legal challenges in the courts, working their way through the courts, to the the shelter-in-place orders and the various orders that have come out. Those are currently being challenged in a court of law. We also we have a legal process to remove our elected officials. This legal process, uh, you know, is we vote at the ballot box. Um, If uh, if somebody oversteps their bounds, we can we can vote to recall that person. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if there's a, it, it, you know, and there's currently recall efforts right now uh, to recall our governor, right? We can exercise our right and say, yeah, I want to recall him. I think he's overstepped his bounds. And the, the idea here of being a citizen of the, of the United States where the Bible is concerned, as citizens of a government, and especially of a government of the people, by the people, for the people, then what it means for you and me, biblically, to be obedient Christians and to live in submission to the government in which we live, then what we need to do, we need to recognize we have a stewardship. We have a stewardship responsibility. And our job is to steward the government. The, the officials who are making the laws and so on, and so our job as uh, as stewards. This means we have a duty to vote um, and to actually show up and vote at the ballot box. This is this is a stewardship responsibility responsibility for Christians, as well. You know there are other ways that we can participate in democracy, and that is a stewardship responsibility that we have to be good citizens uh, of of the government here as uh, as we're operating as citizens of heaven right and so we this we have this duty to vote we have the duty to participate in democracy and listen sometimes democracy is a little chaotic Uh, and and frankly this is one of those areas where it's confusing and we need wisdom we need wisdom We need to go to the Lord and ask him for wisdom because part of our democratic process, not only is it voting people in, but listen, in the democratic process there, we've established three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. And these three branches of government that are established that we operate under um, are these checks and balances to make sure that that uh, our government runs uh, through that that, that uh, legal process um, and and all. And so, um, you know, you've got the executive branch that. You know, says, hey, we're going to do this, and you've got the legislative branch that says, well, we're going to pass laws, and we're going to, you know, work together independently to make sure we get that passed. And then you've got the judicial branch that basically says, look, the law that you've passed is not legal. Um, we're going to do give a ruling on this. I know you want to do this, governor, uh, and I, I understand legislature that you're behind it, and so the two you all agree. But, but there's a third check and balance, and that's the judicial system. And so what we have in place here, and this is where it gets confusing, is that we, we have for the citizens to, you know, how do we respond when the, the executive branch and the legislative branch decide, hey, we're going to do this, and we say, wait a minute, that's a violation of the Constitution. That's a violation of our rights. So you can pass a law all day long, but, but that law, it's not legal, it, it, it actually is, is, is not, you know, something that you, you can do according to our, to our Constitution. Well, what you can do is you can bring it before, before the judicial process. Now, sometimes that involves civil disobedience. And civil disobedience is is this tricky issue where, you know, a person says, look, I realize you're asking me to do this. Um, I don't think it's constitutional So I'm not going to submit to that. I'm actually going to do this. And we see people right now exercising civil disobedience across our state. They're saying, look, this is not fair. This is not right. We don't think this is legal. And so I'm going to exercise uh, my constitutional right to freedom. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to open my business, whatever it may be. Um, And and in that, wisdom is indicated because we can't ever forget, listen, we are citizens of heaven first Citizens of the United States, second. And so everything that we do has to represent the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom. And, and so, so there's this wisdom that's indicated. We, we need to, to take a walk with that. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says we are to stay focused on the gospel, we're not to uh, allow civilian affairs to distract us from the gospel. Uh, Romans 13 says that we are to obey governmental authority, and Acts chapter 4 gives us the guidelines when we're free to disobey government authority. And in closing, listen, I want to look at Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, and this gives us the motive behind it all, the motive behind it all, which is important. Romans 13, verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the, is the fulfillment of the law. You see, right after Paul gives us our obligation to obey authorities, to obey the law of the land, he reminds us of the motive, and the motive is love. The motive is love. And this is the part of the message where I'm going to share my personal struggle with shelter in place, uh, my personal views on it. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. On the one hand, I think what's happening is government overreach. Um, I personally believe that some of what is happening is unconstitutional. Um, I, 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 I have concerns because I think, you know, this sets a horrible precedent for the future. And and is this being used, you know, will this be used as a pretext for further abuses of power that, that will infringe on our religious liberties and so on? Um and and you know I, I have concerns. You know we began shelter in place uh, with you know the 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 idea. Hey, listen, the stated purpose was we're going to overwhelm the ICUs if everybody gets sick, so we need to shelter in place and flatten the curve. Well. Yeah. Our ICUs aren't being overflowed and, and we are, we're seeing the numbers and that curve flattening and yet now they're talking about extending the shelter in place. So, so I have concerns about that. And as well, um, my heart breaks for those people who are going through financial ruin because of all this. You see, we have two viruses, two two pandemics right now that are ravaging our country. We, we have the coronavirus and we have a financial meltdown because everybody is sheltering in place and not working. And they're both huge problems. And I think right now, many businesses are being needlessly driven into bankruptcy. And I think a better solution would be open businesses with reasonable precautions. Um, and, and so so... So these are my personal thoughts. This is the way I I feel. And so I support legal and civil opposition that's biblical. And and let me just say this. Um, You know, you, you have one person who in their faith, they might say, look, I understand all that. I understand, you know, how our system of government works. I understand that we're a democratic republic, which means it's we the people. I get all of that but I don't feel personally comfortable. My faith, the Bible says, whatever's not of faith is sin. And so a person might say, man, because of my faith, I, I understand all that, but I just don't feel the liberty to to go out and, and practice civil disobedience. Um, I, I'm not, I'm, the government isn't allowing me to go out. I'm, I'm going to obey that because I feel convicted like that's what I should do. And listen, I would say, you pay attention to how the Lord is speaking to your heart another person might say look I understand how our government operates. I understand what the Bible calls me to do. And part of our government structure is structured this way in America where I can practice some civil some uh, you know, civil disobedience uh, in the context of saying, look, this is unconstitutional. Let's bring it to the courts. Let's force the issue. And let's get a ruling on this as far as our government is concerned. And, and let's get this all worked out in that way. And some people have the conviction one side. Some people have the conviction of the other. Side, I say this do what, what you feel honors the Lord in light of what His Word says. But a word of caution listen, here's what I've experienced in my own life. Um, sometimes when my flesh feels really good about something, Uh, that's a big warning light. That's a big flashing red light for me uh, to say, man, you you really need to watch out and be careful because anything that really makes in your flesh to where you're like, yeah, that's it. I've learned just in my own life, I need to really pray on that thing. And, and so, you know, we need, we need to be careful. We need to be cautious. We're citizens of heaven first. God, what, honor, what is honoring to you? How do I respond to this in, in a loving way? Now, that's on the one hand. Now, on the other hand, as a senior pastor of a church of a couple thousand people, I want to be cautious. And I'm just talking about how we as a church are responding to what's going on here. And so for we as a church, I want to be cautious of what we focus on as a church and of what we do as a church in regards to assembly. Um, I have friends in the Valley who are pastors of churches. And they have members in their church. Some, have di- some of their members have died from the coronavirus. Some of their members are currently on ventilators because of the coronavirus. Um, we have a former member whose father recently died. He, both his parents contracted coronavirus. His father died last week. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, yes, on the one hand, you've got the t- Constitution. On the other hand, people are dying. And so there's wisdom that's indicated. And, and when I read Romans 13.10 that says that love does no harm to a neighbor, I ask myself as the senior pastor of this church in regards to let's open up our doors and bring everybody here and, and just start doing church the way we used to do church. I ask myself as the senior pastor of the church, what's the cost if we obey the law and the authorities are wrong? What is the cost if, if we say, okay, we're, 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 we're going to continue to do live stream services and not bring people back into our sanctuaries. And, and, the cost is right now, and I want to emphasize right now, um, right now it's a little inconvenient. It's a lot inconvenient. But listen, the gospel is going out in a way like it has never gone out before. There is a, there is a major advancement. God has poured gasoline on, on the gospel going out. And, and so that, what is the cost for us right now? all things, you know, right now as do we open the church, God seems to be doing a pretty good job right now and we can, we can obey and do what we're doing. Now, what's the cost if they're right and we ignore them? The cost is really ultimately that we could do harm to a neighbor. And so for me as, as the pastor, I go, look, we're going to honor the mandate. We're going to meet online, and, uh, and we're going to, you know, look forward to the day when we can open the doors. And by the way, be praying for that because when, when the day comes that we can open the doors, there are a thousand hoops that we got to jump through that are going to make our assembly really difficult to pull off. And so we need wisdom and we need prayer uh, for that. Now, if we come to the point where the the the, the proclamation of the gospel is infringed upon, you know, we, we're we dependent on social media for the gospel going out. And, and if all of a sudden the switch is flipped and, and, you know, you see churches getting barred from social media and you see access online uh, being limited, uh, well, then we're going to say, hey, w- w- we're not doing it anymore. We're going to open the doors. We're going to go back. Come on, let's preach the gospel. But right now, we can preach the gospel. And so, um, so, so we can honor the mandate uh, as far as our meeting here goes. In closing, listen, right now, we all need wisdom and we need grace. That's what we need right now. We need wisdom and we need grace. And our leaders need wisdom and grace. Nobody's ever dealt with this before. Um, there's, there's no script for what we're facing, um, and um, we need wisdom. And again, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And listen, we also need grace. We need grace, and we need to be those that, that deal graciously with one another. We need to be that kind of a people. Some of you, listen, you're going to lean on the side of caution and that's your prerogative. Some of you, you're going to act more boldly, and that's your prerogative. But listen, Jesus said, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so when, wherever you fall on the issue, listen, let your actions be loving. I see people tearing each other down on social media, and it works both ways. There's those that want to shame everybody who, who's going out and, you know, violating these stay-at-home orders. And there's the people on the other side that want to shame those who aren't storming the gates of the, uh, the castle and let's, let's you know, l- let's get this injustice turned around. And listen, wherever you fall on the issue, we just need to extend grace to, to those that, that, are, that are just working out their salvation. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I think that's a good prescription for us today.